coming to you from the river bottoms in South Dallas in Studio 2M. This is KB5JBV, and you're listening to Resonant Frequencies Amateur Radio Podcast. Hello, everybody, and uh, good to have you all back with us again. We're trying to get some, a few episodes done up. Going to be out of commission for a while, so we're trying to get you all something to listen to. All right. Uh, let me go ahead and get, uh, remind y'all that monetary crunch caused us to fail here a while back, and we're trying to make sure that doesn't happen again. So if you can go on over to uh, rfpodcast.info, rfpodcast.info, and uh, I don't know, drop a donation, go shop over at Amazon, click through to audible.com, check out some audio books. Uh, any of these things will help us make sure that we're able to keep the website up and running. Up and running. I still haven't gotten any emails concerning field day. Still looking for those field day stories because I really would like to do an episode talking about field day. You know, uh, I understand it's been almost a month already. Or at least at the time of this recording it's been almost a month. I still haven't heard anything. I really missed out this year because... Uh, I'll tell you what, two or three episodes, maybe four or five sometimes after uh, field day goes off, I'm doing episodes on uh, questions I got asked out at field day weekend. This particular uh, field day, I didn't get to spend much time out anywhere. So uh, I'd like to hear about y'all's experience. We had discussed uh, on the other show how some clubs take it way too serious. Take it way too serious as a contest. And I just hope y'all all had fun. Send me some information on that. If you were present at Hamcom here in North Texas, I'd like to hear about that too. We're still working through our dating stuff over at Linux and Ham Shack, trying to get as much of it posted as possible so that that information is available to those of you that listen to that show. Uh, if you want to go over and check any of that out, by the way, that's lhpodcast.info, uh, lhspodcast.info, I'm sorry, lhspodcast.info. And while you're over there, say hello to Russ. Russ is my partner, and he's uh, one of the best partners I could ever ask for. So uh, y'all go over and at the very least say hello to Russ and uh, tell him what a good job he's doing. The unsung hero over here is uh, Bill. K9WKA, Bill, y'all, if you've been reading the show notes or uh, that kind of stuff, uh, that's all Bill. Bill takes care of that. He does a bang-up job. He he puts in whatever URLs that I bit out in the accent that y'all don't really care for. But, uh, yeah, drop Bill a line, too. I currently don't remember what his email address is. But the upside is he'll put it in the show notes. So we love you, Bill. We really do. So we got that. We talked to, and like I said, um, I'm trying to get y'all some studio episodes, some episodes out of the actual studio. Uh, there's a series. You know, I did the battery series, even though I don't think we ever completed it. I have another series I want to do for y'all. It's going to be a little shorter. It kind of has to do with uh, mobile operation, mobile antennas. I'm still trying to put the thing together. I'd like to hear from some of you blind hams that are using uh, uh, voice uh, reading type programs. 
on your computers and stuff like that. The uh, particular subject we're gonna gonna try and put a show together for on the other podcast is a show on Orca, which is one of those programs. But I would like to hear about Orca and other programs that are used by the uh, the hams that really can't see the screen to uh, to use their computers for amateur radio or anything else because this could be very handy. I know we have a lot of handicapped hams out there and a lot of them are uh, uh, sight impaired and or blind. And uh, in fact, uh, one of the guys I've known for quite a few years, uh, Jim, uh, I don't remember Jim's call sign, but uh, he's been around a club I've been involved with for years and years and years and uh, he is a absolute asset to the hobby. Okay, I've run my head quite a bit. Probably need to get talking about some stuff that y'all can use. So let's do this. Here a while back, I got an email from, I uh, uh, don't remember who. It'll show up in the first studio episode. But the question was pretty much phrased, how do me, or I, how do I, and the other newer ham, get more people to start coming to our clubs and the way it was the the email it was framed the framework of the email was pretty much the old guys have washed their hands they've gone away they're they're and we're seeing more and more of that because a lot of guys are just pissed off because you got all these extras running around out there that never took a code test some of them are really upset however either in this episode or the next, uh, either in the previous episode or the episode after this, you'll find out that uh, I have my opinions on that too. But you're seeing a lot of this. I know a lot of the old timers that were around when I first got licensed that I know haven't died off and haven't moved out of the area. Uh, you still rarely see them, if you see them at all. You might see them at field day. It's possible you see them at a Christmas party. And maybe, if you're lucky, you'll see them at a club meeting once or twice a year. And I find that really sad because the guys that have been around longer have a greater responsibility to teach the new guys. But that's a whole different episode. So, how do we bring in more people? Well, that's the question that has vexed clubs forever. And nowadays, whereas ham radio used to be a camaraderie kind of thing, we were all buddies, we knew each other, we, we hung out together when we could, we talked to each other on the radio almost every day. It's not quite like that anymore. There's a lot of ham radio operators out there now that just go and do their own thing. And even more so now that there are more people that have HF privileges percentage-wise in amateur radio, a lot more of them spend all their time down on HF. Which I'll tell you right now, I used when I got licensed, I had 30, 40 people that I talked to all the time, almost every day, on two meters. And it's not that way anymore. Please refer back to our uh, VHF, UHF wasteland episode. So, how do you get more people to come to your club? 
Well, you have to, first of all, you have to offer some, offer them something. You know, most clubs and organizations ask you to pay dues. To be a member, you pay dues. Now, in this area here, the club that I am no longer a member of because they decided to turn it into an organization that was run by four or five people instead of the 50-something club members, have just about the highest dues of any just regular, non-specialty type club in this area. They're a full $10 higher than the club in the adjoining city, which is a bigger city with the possibility of more members. But the fact of the matter is, if you offer your club members a good product, and this is where we fall into a, a business type thing. Basically, a club is a business. You want people to use your product, be a member of the club, so you have to offer them something to get them to want to be part of the club. And in the case of your average radio club, it's either activities, uh, the ability to guide the club, being a club officer, or, or something to that effect. Or just a friendly group of people they can be around. I've visited so many clubs over the last few years that were just totally unfriendly. Uh, for those of y'all that listened to the uh, Other Reasons for Field Day episode, You'll walk in. They won't acknowledge you're there. Uh, you're lucky if anybody will speak to you. And at the end of the night, you leave. Well, my friends, if you go in a club like that, walk away. It's time to find something else. So how are we going to bring people in? Have some activities. Um, a couple of the clubs around our area have transmitter hunts once a month. And I'm not going to go into who's got what because I'm not really up on that schedule at this time. But transmitter hunts, are they have so many benefits. People enjoy doing them and that kind of stuff. So that's one way. Having a weekly net. I don't care if it's just people check in to say hello, whatever. This brings your club members closer together, and it allows people who are not members of the club to get to know some of the folks in the club, which puts them in a position of possibly being more inclined to go ahead and join your club. Activities, some kind of activities, other, and transmitter hunts are activities, nets are activities, but there's one club in this area that had the idea of having what amounted to a mini field day once a month. Now it's kind of evolved because now if you go down to this this particular activity uh, there'll be a couple guys operating radios over in one spot. There'll be a couple guys over on another table uh, building some little project and that kind of stuff. But they do this once a month and it's not expensive any any place that any city that has a parks and recreations department has parks and you can uh, work a deal with them to use a portion of that park 
normally if you have a good rapport with the city free of charge. If not, the fee is normally minimal. Now as far as actively recruiting, I've always been uh, one who's been of a mind that active recruiting is a key to building a club. When I was uh, president of one of the local clubs here, uh, not only did we send out postcards, which really didn't pan out great, it brought in two or three people, but it wasn't a huge percentage of what we sent out. It was a large investment. On the other hand, I sat down one night, went back through the club rosters for the previous 10 years, and everybody that I had a valid email address for, I invited them to come to a club meeting and just basically told them, say, I don't know what the problem was. Why don't you come back and see how we do things now and see if that's any better for you. And if that's not an option, could you please email me back and let me know what the problem was that caused you to leave. We're trying to fix things up. You know, and it's pretty simple. Most people leave a club because they don't like the way something's being done in that club. That's one of the things I did. The other thing I did is you can look up call signs in QRZ by zip code. Go to QRZ, type in a zip code, it'll give you every ham in that zip code. Now instead of sending them a postcard or handwritten letter, something that's a pretty big expenditure, if you do too many of them, I went ahead and sent these people an email, inviting them to the club, introducing myself, giving them the information on where the uh, club meetings were held, uh, y'all come by and see us, and I did recruit one or two people. Now the difference between the postcard method and the email method is that it didn't cost me anything. And it didn't cost the club anything. That's another way. Setting up a booth. And we are talking about uh, club membership, trying to get more club members. Uh, so that if we seem to have talked to the point that we might have forgotten what the uh, subject of this particular episode is. Go set up at local ham fests. Ham fests, swap meets, anything amateur radio related you have in your area. Now, we have two or three fairly good sized swap meets or uh, ham fests in the DFW area, which is where I live, Dallas Fort Worth area in Texas. We have, we used to have sidewalk sales, which would have been a good place to set up. We have the West Gulf Division Convention, known as HamCom, which is a great place to set up if you want to promote your club. And then you have smaller events like the Irving Ham Fest, uh, NC Tech, which is a ham fest out in Azel, Texas, uh, a little bit north of Fort Worth, uh, that kind of stuff. But there's also other things going on. I mean, if you show up at a bike ride, any of these public service events, you can get you some kind of space out of the people that run it for them to let you set up a table. You know, recruiting for ham club members is different now than it was when I got licensed. At that time, amateur radio operators still had a pretty good rapport with Radio Shack, even though they don't care about us because nothing in our hobby has to do with cell phones. 
Oh my god. Anyway, it used to be pretty easy to uh, recruit by just putting up a flyer in your local radio shack. Because chances are, the guy behind the counter, if he wasn't a ham, he was familiar with all the ham radio equipment because there were ham radio operators coming in there to buy stuff. Coaxes, radios when they still sold them, uh, electronic parts, stuff like that. So they were really willing to help you and they didn't mind you sticking up a, hey, come to our ham club meeting. Now, the two best recruiting tools I know. And these are, we've talked about stuff to bring in people who are former club members and people who hold licenses who may never have been to the club. These last two are the ones that are probably going to help you a great deal. Number one, start a test session in the area where your club is. Now, you can't actually have a test set, have test sessions that are connected to a club. Even though some people go ahead and do it and they never get caught on it. You're not supposed to. You can take that test session and fill it up with club members. One of the best recruiting tools is that test session because even a low, loose affiliation with a local club for that club, that test session, the people giving the tests, the clubs they belong to, and ideally club they belong to, chances are when the people get their license, if they live in that area, will go check out that club. Once they're in the door, if you, do, if you uh, recruit properly, once they come through the door, they will become a club member. The second is to give classes. And a lot of y'all out there are like, probably like, oh man. But let me tell you, uh, most people are going to get the question pool. They're going to study it. If you give classes, oh yeah, they're going to take tests online, practice tests. So giving a class is not as involved as it was back then it's not going to be that involved you're not going to have to uh, get in there and uh, show them stuff and wow them with stuff and there, there's a lot of places you can get free or at minimal cost to give these classes and since that can be affiliated with the club and you can be chatting up the club the whole time you're giving the class then once again that's another way to get new members because the majority of the people that are in a class for a particular the given by a particular club end up joining that club and all you really have to have is a i don't know a visa a dvd player a whiteboard some tests some uh, practice tests it's pretty easy to put together entry-level classes i've taught I've taught them myself, and I've done everything from bring uh, oscilloscopes into the classroom to to show them the difference between square waves and sine waves, and and just bring in components to show them the difference between a rheostat and a, 
that kind of stuff. I mean, and then one class, I, I did straight off videotapes. When they, when the league had a had a set of videotapes, they had just come out. I went ahead and ran the classes using that. So, as far as instruction is concerned, that's beyond the scope of of this particular episode. Uh, we might talk about it a little later. Uh, you can find out more about it, uh, ARRL, and I know, but I don't, I know I don't promote them much, but their materials are less expensive and easier to use than uh, W5Y, who's the other big guy down here. They have a good set of, a good set of stuff and uh, a fairly strong instructor thing, so y'all go over and check that out. Okay, lastly. Create opportunities. Don't just go to these ham fests. Go to bake sales. Go to little craft shows in your area. Everywhere you can go and make your club visible. Visibility is the key to bringing in members. You want people talking about you. You want people thinking about you. And the ways these things are going to happen is if you have bang-up programs, make this club someplace you would want to be. And if you make it where someplace that you would want to be, other people are going to want to be there. It, it, it just happens that way. As far as some of the clubs here locally, clubs have taken a hit all around. I was at one club three or four years ago and we were doing a presentation on the national traffic system. And we went ahead and did our presentation first and out of courtesy we just kind of hung around while they did their regular business so we could, you know, shake a few hands and get to know a few people after the meeting was over. And there was just this one guy that kept the whole business portion of their meeting so bogged down in Robert's Rules of Order that it was impossible for them to do any business. Now being an in outsider, somebody who doesn't frequent that club, who's someone who uh, doesn't visit that club on a regular basis, not a member of it or anything, I probably wouldn't have joined that club if it was a, a situation where I was shopping a club. Because this one guy made the whole meeting miserable for everybody that was in it. Including me and the two other guys that uh, were down there trying to recruit for NTS. Make your club meetings fun. Make them friendly. Make your activities the same way. Go out of your way when you see a new face to say hello. Because that right there goes further than anything else. We've got one guy at... Uh, the club I'm most recently a former member of that he's uh he's running the weekly net or, or he's doing something up in the helping guide the club end of things now and when I contacted him three years ago four years ago he wouldn't have anything to do with that club because he walked in there one night and sat down and uh, Nobody spoke to him. Nobody shook his hand. Nobody cared to find out what his name or call sign was. And he got up and left. And he lived in the city of Mesquite. 
he went over to the Dallas Amateur Radio Club and they were friendly when he showed up over there. Little did he realize that one had deeper problems. But they were friendly when he went in there and he ended up joining up, volunteering for a few things, actually getting fairly well known in that club. And now there's been enough of a change over time that he's back over at the Mesquite Club because even though the president and current president over there and myself have had our differences, he at least makes the members feel welcome. Makes them feel like they count. And everybody wants to feel that way. So, take some of this stuff and uh, give it a try. If uh, you have any questions, give me an email. I'd like to find out you know what some of you guys are using and not just the the folks that wrote me the email but uh all you listeners i'd like to know hear from y'all uh some of the stuff that your clubs are using to help bring in new people because we've started to fragment the amateur radio community and if we don't stick together sooner or later uh, commercial interests are going to have our frequencies. It's happened before, and I've got examples. Y'all have heard examples. The UPS example, the uh, Microsoft example. Y'all have heard this stuff. And we need to try and pull the community back together. That's the thing we lack nowadays, and one of the things I really miss is the sense of community we had with amateur radio. Because you had Elmers and people you were Elmering. And you had a group of guys around you all the time. Everybody looking to the same goal, which was to operate radios and have a hell of a lot of fun. So with that, I think we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, like I said, y'all send me some email at kb5jbv at gmail.com. kb5jbv at gmail.com. And I may not get to you, back to you directly by email in a hurry, but we do read all of them. I will answer what I can, and we will talk about what we can talk about on the episodes. But y'all go on over to uh, rfpodcast.info and check out the website. And uh, y'all go over to rfpodcast.info and check out the website. And uh, I think that pretty much is going to wrap this one up. So until next time, uh, this is KB5JBV. 7-3, everybody.
Yeah. 